Hey, big love fam. Welcome to Super Freak. This is a high vibe podcast, y'all, exploring all things frequencies, how they govern form, shape our realities, and are the key to living from your full potential. It's non-woo combos about super woo shit, unpacking what I call the science of self, from body and soul literacy to the power of understanding vibration, higher consciousness, quantum physics, and spiritual psych. Let this podcast become a resource for you on your journey to self-mastery. If you're curious and ready to free your mind, unlock the body, and truly become limitless, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tally. This is Super Freak, awakening for the next gen. Let's go. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of Super Freak. It's going to be a lot. This is probably going to be a three-part series, but I'm diving into the royals, black magic, cults, witchcraft, all of it. We're going to do a deep dive on a little bit of history. I'm going to give you a little bit of some background in terms of what I'm seeing with the royals, why everybody is up in arms with what's going on right now with the monarchy, etc. So I did a little bit of research for this episode because, yes, I have patterns and enough aggregated data at this point from sessions to see emerging themes, which I talk about a lot in addition to the things that I've overcome in my life. However, there were just certain things factually in terms of historically that I didn't know. So this is going to be fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's dive in. So first, I'm going to start with this quote because I think it's really interesting. You get further with witchcraft than you do with God. This was from the founder, David Brandt Berg of Children of God Cult in 1971. In 1968, preacher David Brandt Berg founded a group initially called Teens for Christ, which first consisted of young runaways and hippies. This church would evolve into the Children of God, which at one point counted 15,000 members around the world. Fun fact, notable members of this cult, Joaquin Phoenix, had an unconventional early childhood living in Venezuela, Florida, and eventually Hollywood with his parents and siblings, Summer, Liberty, and Rain, and late fellow actor River. But until Phoenix was around three years old in 1977, the families were followers of the Child of God, a cult helmed by a rogue preacher called David Berg that would later become notorious amid allegations of child sexual abuse. And he's not the only celebrity who spent some of his early years in the group. Rose McGowan, for example. I say all of this because do you see a theme with Hollywood? I swear it's just in our faces that celebrity runs hand-in-hand with cult and pedophilia. It's just crazy. And the more that I kind of looked into this, I was like, holy shit, this is really wild. So let's dive into this kind of what I'm seeing. It's like a perpetuity loop, like hell on earth. That's essentially what these cult frequencies are. You basically are sacrificing and exchanging your vital force, yourself, your soul, for something that isn't even real in this material reality. And it's so deeply ingrained that there's a lot of child actors now or actresses and actors now or people who are entertainment, music, et cetera, that aren't even aware that they're actually running these patterns. They just don't know. Or they come from a political background or a royal bloodline and they don't know. So let's dive into where black magic comes from and where it started. Early witches essentially were people who practiced witchcraft using spells and calling upon spirits for help or to bring about change. Now, in theory, that's kind of okay, right? If you didn't follow any kind of religion, you were literally a 
counterculturist, or you were an alchemist that was, again, using spells and rituals to call upon the unseen or help in the unseen to achieve some sort of outcome. Most witches at the time were thought to be pagans doing the devil's work. Essentially, many, however, were simply natural healers or so-called wise women who chose of a this profession and were misunderstood. I resonate with this a lot because anyone who has history in the late 1500s, early 1600s, et cetera, you have simultaneous lives and you have a deep connection to England, Scotland, Ireland, or deep Europe, white witches were very much a thing. Highly clear, highly clairvoyant, could sense the senses and kept to themselves and were very quiet, but had ability. And then over time that got distorted. A lot of times I see people who are pure that get distorted over time, have a service pattern or a service frequency thousands of years years old, pre-dating any biblical reference. So clarifying that is actually quite easy to do in sessions. So if you're running a service frequency or a service pattern, invariably it wraps itself around some type of distorted religion. And so I have to separate you out of it, go back to kind of the origin of where the distorted started, purify it. And then that way it's running in your field from a clearer place and you're not running it in conjunction with a distorted pattern around religion or service or martyr or self-sacrifice or any of that stuff. You're going to hear me talk a lot about martyrism and self-sacrifice because it's deeply rooted in witchcraft. It's deeply rooted in royal bloodline and it's deeply rooted with the royals at large. So let's continue. It's unclear exactly when witches came on the historical scene, but one of the earliest records of a witch is in the Bible in the book of Samuel, thought to be written between 1931 BC and 721 BC. It tells a story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. The witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. The next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle and Saul committed suicide. So it's very interesting that there's a suicide frequency here in addition to a death frequency. As I continue to tell some of these stories and walk through history, start to look at the patterns of this. Invariably, when there's a suicide pattern, an unaliveness pattern that's inside the line, and there's death of siblings, especially children, that is not normal. That is a deep sacrifice pattern usually associated with cults, black magic, and witches. Dark witchcraft. Let us continue. For example, I have seen sessions, people who have had simultaneous lifetimes of being, let's say, an outsider or cast aside or having a scarlet letter because they knew things, they were an alchemist or they were a witch, were burned and had many lives of being killed for having information and having ideas and having things that were non-conventional. When you're not allowed to have ideas, you're not allowed to share your brilliance, or you're not allowed to actually know things, like you don't know why you know things, you don't know why you see things, you just do. That was very unusual. It was very scary because it went against the church. If you went against the church, you were unalived. It was not too long ago prior to this, we're talking pre-1400s, where queens were killed for not bearing children. I mean, it was very, very restricted and limited in thinking. If you actually think about it, witch hysteria kind of reached its climax in the 1600s because there was the wars between the French and the British, the smallpox epidemic, and the ongoing fear of attacks of neighboring Native American tribes. This is primarily in the New America. 
And the Salem witch trials, witch trials emerged around this time. And it was quite a tense atmosphere. But I just thought it was really interesting that if you see the patterning around epidemics and then wars and then some type of cultural upheaval, it's very much parallel to what's happening now. Everything is a pattern. It's a sequence that repeats itself until we awaken. It just is the same movie, same patterning, same algorithms presenting in different ways until collectively we go enough and we command for something else to happen, something different to happen. Now let's talk about the royals. Bottom line, the royals are running sacrifice and exchange patterns. Okay, this is Illuminati. This is cult. The common theme is that these people don't know who they are. They haven't been indoctrinated into a royal bloodline of deep levels of sacrifice. They have a desire for self-importance. They have a desire for status. And there is an at any cost to save the reputation, to save the status pattern that runs in every royal bloodline. This is secret society. This is Freemason. This is Knights of Templar. This is Illuminati elite. This is deep Vatican Catholic Church. This is distorted loyalty. This is, you know, under the guise of having duty, obligation. There is legitimate possession, almost a desperation. Like I said, anything to keep the family line intact at any cost. When you have that level of desperation, literally, you will continue to have child after child after child to keep that energy resource going. It's like Lucy the movie where she's like seeking energy. That's exactly exactly how that consciousness works. It needs energy to survive. So yes, royals have been sold, long sold. So when I look at the queen, she wanted no part of being queen, but took the role, played the good girl, ran the and played out the duty storyline and hung on as long as she could because she knew Charles coming in would kind of be a mess because Charles doesn't have a strong sense of self. Real no identity with him. He's definitely playing the weak woe is me victim pattern. He's quite a weak man, actually. Easily persuaded and runs off a lot of female frequencies. That's why he has to be with someone like Camilla, who runs more masculine energy to reference off of. He literally has to reference off of something. He was either the queen or it was Camilla. Camilla is like legitimately a handler. So the mechanics of that is literally Charles cannot render himself in space time unless Camilla is there to tell him where he is in time. She's very much like a mother. Most men marry a version of their mother or their sister or what they didn't get. He wasn't allowed to be a creative, an actor, an artist. He had to, you know, step up and be a man and hunt and go to military school and all the other things and fulfill his duty. Of course, there were the affairs and there was this betrayal of someone who became almost like an angel figure for the public in Diana, which I'll get to in a minute. It's the kids. Before Spare came out, I was in conversation with some friends about Harry, and they asked me what was going on with Harry. And I was like, oh, it's simple. He has complex PTSD from Diana's death. The imprint of her death was on his nervous system. And that, and then he lives from that timestamp. So the program is, I couldn't save her. His nervous system created a holographic reality where he was going to call somebody into his life who would run very similar patterning to Diana that he could save. Where Megan comes into the picture. He runs desperately this need to be the hero, but he's constantly living in this victim paradigm from the past. You look at complementary frequencies, these two programs are fulfilling themselves. Both Diana and Megan have patterning around martyr, victim, abuse, and self-sacrifice, except Megan runs a hell of a lot of black magic. Diana has a seduction pattern, similar to like a Marilyn Monroe type of frequency, where she knew exactly how to get people to fall in love with her. 
by playing this martyr, self-sacrifice victim role. William and Kate are playing the role. They are cast to save the monarchy. This is the storyline. Also deeply ingrained in hero complex, self-sacrifice complex or patterning and whatever it takes to kind of restore the monarchy, this kind of thing. That's what they're playing out. The truth is, it's a very old paradigm. They're trying to put together something that was an illusion from the first place and anything illusory right now is being dismantled. This is why the coronation was so wild. So make no mistake, when I feel into the field of the British people, they're aware that Prince Andrew and King Charles were deeply associated with pedophile rings, the horrific pedophile network of Jeffrey Epstein, and that they have spent millions, if not billions at this point, of taxpayer money to evade the scandal, which they never will. That narrative, unfortunately, has cast a very dark shadow on the line's history. And then King Charles, who has been heavily associated with Jimmy Seville, a known pedophile, the people did not condone a hundred million pounds being spent on the king's coronation whilst there is inflation and poverty going on throughout the country. They do not condone any of this. They are not fooled. There are very few people who have to wave the British flag for their own reference points to find out where they are in time to save their own sanity. But that's not the collective narrative, similarly to the lie that the American people are being told right now through the media. Then if I reference Diana again, just to kind of look at the victim abuse, enslavement, and entrapment pattern. This is the same thing that Megan felt, this enslavement, this entrapment pattern. They made agreements under the guise of this is going to be so fun. I'm going to come in. I'm going to change things. I'm going to be this princess. And then, oops, reality sets in. You're in prison. The aspects of both of these women who absolutely wanted it, that's the hook. And then there's the remorse. It's too late. And that became when she would throw herself out of time and get into depressive states, both Both of them ran this patterning where they wanted to unalive themselves. This pattern runs hand in hand with a lineage that has mental health issues. Mental health issues, specifically on the maternal side, I've seen comes with a loss of child. So if there has been horrific loss of a loved one in a simultaneous life, that will ripple into this life. It will be so devastating that that soul will will fraction they'll have a psychotic break and they won't ever really recover from it. So that psychotic break plays out as a narrative throughout lifetime after lifetime after lifetime to the point where it will almost dictate the sex of the child that you are able to have. So if you look at Princess Diana, she was only allowed to bear men. So she wasn't really safe with women, which is very interesting. That self-sacrifice pattern or self-sacrifice martyr pattern is similar to the Mother Teresa frequency where it's like so deeply care about people. And, you know, Diana felt was very much an empath and had a deep love for humanity because she needed to see the reflection of her own value and worth in other people, but it became a burden. So that which you love ends up working against you almost and it becomes a burden. It's kind of like the angel of mercy and kindness vibe. So I really do feel though that how she crossed over was no accident. I'll just put it like that. What will become of the monarchy is to be determined, but I will say that there is a large death frequency around their field. It's almost like the royal family has its own auric field. And it's so dark in nature. It's so clouded. It's so heavy that Yeah, again, I just keep feeling a a death frequency around it. So I don't know what that means. We'll see what happens. But the idea with all of this stuff, you guys, is to become aware of how you are creating your reality based on these patterns. How are you creating your reality? 
What are your belief systems? If you're constantly, if you have a line of suicide, cancer, death, terrible things are befalling the, befalling the family. These are things to look at. That's not natural. Our natural state is abundance, pure. Things we come here to learn. Things we come here to overcome. And there's a lot of strategies that we employ to keep ourselves safe. Hypervigilance, perfectionism, you know, career focus, achievement, to mask the things that are happening on the inside. But the inside is producing the algorithms, is producing the frequencies, let's say, that are being reflected back to you. Those frequencies are creating the patterns that are being reflected back to you in terms of your reality. So if you're running an algorithm that is producing the color blue and blue is giving you a level two of abundance, the only thing you're going to attract is blue. When you transcend those patterns and you start doing the work, stepping into contrary action, deleting these things at blueprint level, you start resonating, let's say, at a level four, which is producing the frequency or the color of yellow then you'll attract yellow. Eventually, the more you rise in your resonance, you automatically just have good shit happen to you because you don't tolerate, you tolerate a lot less bullshit. Things will present themselves for you to confirm, delete. No, that's not what I want. That's not who I am. Reflect who you are in that moment or to come in and amplify you from a perspective of helping you go to the next level. And all of it is good and all of it is learning. But again, it's there for you to become aware of. Those decisions that you make, and you can't make a wrong one, determine the possibilities and the probabilities that are available to you. If you're not resonating at a very high level, you're going to have a limited amount of possibilities and probabilities. If you're resonating at a much higher frequency, you're going to have a hell of a lot more possibilities and probabilities. That's where things get really exciting because you can start to move with the field and you almost start manifesting in real time. Like literally happened to me the other day. I was like, man, I need to find a place where I can get a juicer and a blender in the same place. It's not very much. And I need to find that like very soon. I literally within 10 minutes turned around a corner and ran into a farmer's market, found both things. It was just the thought came in, the solution was there, the choice was made. Small choice points. Everything is a data point and a a choice point. So you move into the field, you make your decision, and that opens up a whole other possibility and probability for you. And while you're doing that, timelines are closing. You're bobbing into other realities and other timelines and other possibilities. And all of the possibilities, probabilities that you didn't choose get sent up to the all that is for other people to move into those possibilities and algorithms. So let me just walk you through that again. When Simone Biles, for example, or someone else does something in the field that hasn't been done before, quadruple Lutz, right? Ran this mile or marathon in four minutes, eight minutes, whatever. That algorithm has never been in the possibility for the collective before. Now it is. So someone else can do that now because that information is available. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why you can't make a wrong choice. Whatever you don't choose goes up as a possibility for somebody else. So it's all good. Observe all of this stuff. If you feel like you're running patterns from black magic, cults, these kinds of things, they're sticky patterns. I work with this stuff a lot. You've got options. Step into contrary action. Know that you're more than that and start reclaiming who the hell you are. This was a loaded episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you on another episode of Super Freak. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Please make sure to leave a review and follow the fun on social media because that's how it works in this world. In the meantime, get your freak on. I'll see you in the next session.